We're going to be in Matthew 28. If you want to go ahead and turn there, um, you can read in the bulletin just a little bit why we're taking a, a quick four-week diversion here. I'll come back to that. But as you find your place in Matthew 28, let me pray. Father, now we stand in Your presence as Your church gathered, summoned by You, this place and this time, to hear Your Word, to be brought together around that Word, to be formed and shaped by that Word as Your Spirit does His work, to be brought to unity in that Word, and then sent out by the grace of that perfect Word to carry out Your will through our individual and collective lives. So now, dear Father, make us faithful. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, anybody who knows me knows that I really do not like to step away from a series like the one we've just begun in Galatians to do anything else. And part of that is because the normal way that we see our need to engage God's Word here at Rockport is through uh, verse-by-verse exposition. And that's not going to change. But sometimes it is necessary for us, for a time, to step away from that norm in order to focus on something vital. And so this four-week series that we begin this morning grows out of our recent uh, elders' retreat. And our concern that we need to recenter our church on its God-given mission with a clear understanding of who we are as a church and why it matters that we never lose sight of that core mission. And we really need to do that before we try to make any changes of any kind concerning our future as a congregation or, or anything else like that. And so this morning we want to think about what our mission really is as Christ's church. And to begin with, we need to see that our mission is defined by Christ Himself. By Christ Himself, who is Lord of the church. Matthew 28, and we'll begin reading at verse 16 and to the end of the book. Now the eleven disciples, eleven because Judas is gone, this is post-resurrection, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. He said, go there, wait on me. And when they saw Him, they worshipped, and some doubted. Or really, it means they were conflicted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This passage, you know, is called the Great Commission because here Christ gives us our co-mission. Our mission as a church that we engage in together, our co-mission, our together mission. So when we are gathered as a church, what is it we're supposed to be about? Jesus tells us in verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples. All authority is given to me, so you go and make disciples. So notice first the authority for this mission. And the authority, of course, is Christ Himself. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore you go and make disciples. See the connection? 
It's pretty clear. The reason that we go and do anything is because He has sent us to do it. Well, who is He? Well, He's the one with all authority. Uh, He's the one, Christ, who is Lord of the church, which means He's the boss. He's the one in command. He's the one, really the only one, with the right to tell us what it is that we must do. So He gives the church its marching orders. He's the one who went to the cross by Himself, uh, where He conquered death, hell, and the grave for us. He's the one who three days later rose from the dead and is alive forevermore as we celebrate week after week. He's the one who right now is seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling over the nations, ruling the universe, and above all, shepherding His church. And whatever He says our mission is, that's what it must be. So what does He say our mission is? Well, there's the second thing. The central command of the church's mission is, you see it clearly, to make disciples. All authority on heaven and earth belongs to me, so you therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples is the only command here in these verses. Go is not the command. Go is part of keeping the command, so it is important, but go is not the command itself. Grammatically, it's what's called a participle, meaning what? You know, this isn't a Greek class. Why does that matter? Well, it matters for this reason because that means this word go is a kind of a helper word. It, it attaches itself to the command word so that it itself is not the command, but it's part of how the command is kept. And so we are indeed to be a going people. Not just a sitting people. But when we go, it is for this purpose. That in our going, day in, day out, whether across the street or across the world, in our going, our goal is clear. We are to make disciples. So what's a disciple? Well, we'll come back to that. But at its core, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. A disciple is someone who knows Him by grace alone through faith in the Gospel. They've, uh, they've, they've been converted by trusting in Him through that Gospel. And now they're learning what it means to follow Him in a new life of obedience and faith. And so as the church, that's us, as we gather here each week, we have a command. We are to make such disciples. In fact... Let me just go ahead and give you a preview of the the heart of this message this morning. There's a clear command here given to the church and then an implied command given to the believer. These two commands together tell us first what our mission is as we gather as the church and then second what your mission is as you go out into the world. Our mission as a church, you're going to get tired of hearing this, is to make disciples. Matthew 28:18, go therefore and make disciples. That is the command for us together as the church. Your mission as a Christian then is to be a disciple. Matthew 16:24, Jesus said to his disciples, to these followers, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That's the command for you 
as a Christian. And we'll spend the rest of this morning fleshing out these two commands and seeing how they play off against and reinforce each other. But before that, a third thing, sort of as preliminary here, notice the gospel center of this command and the church it creates. We're going to talk a lot about the church this morning and in coming weeks, but what exactly is the church? Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. So what is the church? Well, whatever it is, it belongs to Jesus. Whatever it is, it's what He's building. Uh, The Word itself refers to those who have been called out, ecclesia. Uh, They've been called out, summoned, if you will, by Him to gather together in His name for His purposes. And the point of that is that we as the church are a people Christ has summoned together for His sake. And, and you have the big C church, which is all believers everywhere in the universe, who from, from the apostles you know, right on down to that last generation, the big church, big C church. But then more importantly in Scripture, you have the little C church, the local gathering of the saints, which is really where the action is, where Christ is working in and through this world. And as that church, little C, well, first of all, we're not a club. We're not a community group. We didn't decide that it would be a good idea for us to put up a building on Telegraph Road and meet here week after week. Do you understand? Christ summoned us here. Each of us individually and all of us together. First of all, He summons us through the Gospel. The Gospel creates the church. When the Gospel is preached... The voice of Jesus speaks and calls people to Himself. By the way, that's why you get a great confidence in sharing the Gospel. Because it's not you and your persuasiveness, it's the power of God for salvation. So the Gospel goes out, and in the Gospel, the voice of Jesus speaks to call people out of sin into salvation. Right? Every believer here has a testimony that that, that says something like that. But it doesn't stop with just calling you as an individual out of sin and salvation. It then calls us together into a local community of believers called the church. And so we could say that the local church is a community of the redeemed formed by the Word of God. Called out of the world by God's electing, redeeming, justifying, and renewing grace and then summoned together to grow in that grace and learn what it means to serve Him together in this world. That's the church. And so, what do we do as Christ's church? Well, we do what our Lord commands. And only what He commands. Which brings us to the second thing, that big center point today. Our mission as Christ's church at Rockport Baptist Church is to make Disciples. Right back to that central command in verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So keep in mind these twin missions here. The mission of the gathered church to make disciples, and the mission of the individual Christian to be a disciple. 
The distinction between those is very important. It's important because there are things that we do together as the church when we are gathered in Christ's name and all of it is aimed toward the same purpose and that is to make disciples. That's one of the reasons we are commanded together regularly. Uh, Weekly we come together on the Lord's Day and and we're here to, to worship Him, to hear His Word, all these things, but all of those are bound together by this one great command that we are making disciples, we are building believers up in Christ. But then there are things, other things, that you go out to do as individual disciples. Those things that you are called to go do as individual disciples are not the mission of the church. They are how God is calling you to work out your obedience to Christ in the world. And and they're good things. They're important things. They're biblical things. They're necessary things. They are things that Christians must do and must be about. But they are not what the church is called to do as the church. For example, little test here. You didn't know you were having a test, but here it comes. Is the mission of this local church to feed the hungry? Is the mission of this church to clothe the poor? Is the mission of this church to care for orphans? Or to work for just laws in society? To oppose abortion? to end sex trafficking, and to make sure that we elect righteous leaders to Congress. Are any of those things the specific mission of this church? Now, I didn't say are those good things. I didn't say are those things Christians ought to hope for and work toward. They are. But they are not the mission. You see, the answer to that question is no. None of those things are the mission of the church. They are things we as a church care about. They are things we should teach our people how to think about and how to address as individual believers. But none of those things are the mission of the church. Why? What is the mission of the church? You can say it with me now. To make disciples. That is, to call people to faith in Christ and train them how to walk with Christ in the world. Now, part of that training will address many of these very things and will teach our people how they ought to think biblically, how they ought to approach these things, and and, and how they ought to to, to respond, and, and how God may be calling them to address these things. We want to teach every believer here to work out your obedience to Christ in addressing all things, including these things, as a thoroughgoing disciple. But our mission as a church is disciple-making and sending and encouraging disciples to live for Jesus in the world. The church doesn't undertake these missions itself. The church... Now, this is going to be hard for some of you to grapple with, but I want you to hear what I'm saying. The church's job is not to transform society. The church makes disciples who then go out in obedience to Christ, fulfilling their various callings as disciples of Christ, who, by the way, in being disciples, have great power to transform cultures and change towns and completely revolutionize neighborhoods and families. But the church's mission, as the church, our mission as we gather in obedience to Christ, is to make disciples. How? 
How do we make disciples? Did, did Christ tell us? Or did He just leave it to us to figure out? There was a figure in the 1800s uh, whom you uh, really shouldn't give a whole lot of attention to, Charles Finney, um, who uh, led us in a lot of bad ways. And he was the one who said, Jesus told us to make disciples. He didn't tell us how. Au contraire. He told us very clearly, look at it again, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. How? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Baptizing and teaching are not commands. Baptizing and teaching are the way that we make disciples. Again, there's just one command here, make disciples. Baptizing and teaching, like going, are participles. They come along and attach themselves to make disciples, telling us how it is that we are to make disciples. How do we keep the command make disciples as a church gathered together? By baptizing and by teaching. And so first of all, the church is called to baptize people into fellowship who come to Christ by faith. By the way... It's really clear when we talk about who it is we're baptizing and teaching, we're talking about individuals called out of the world into salvation. That word nations does not mean nation states like Germany. You can't baptize Germany. Um, There's no tub big enough anywhere. You baptize individual believers from Germany and from America. Uh, The word itself, ethne, actually uh, would be ethne as opposed to the Jews. Uh, But here it's even broadened by Jesus that I can show you. I won't take time to do it. So we're talking about people from every nation, tribe, and tongue need to hear this gospel. And from that people, they're going to be brought in through the gospel, baptized and taught. So what's the point of baptism then? I really like the way Jonathan Lehman put it in his little pamphlet. He says... Baptism gives people the Jesus name tag. It hands them the team jersey. Now, before you think, well, that's shallow, just wait up. What he means is that baptism publicly identifies the baptized as those who indeed belong to Christ. So when we baptize people, we are publicly, as a church, recognizing them as being on the Jesus team by grace through faith. Uh, The simple biblical pattern we see in places like Acts is we preach the gospel to all and we baptize converts into church membership. Acts 2.41, and those who received His Word, those who received His Word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. We preach the Word and baptize those who believe and then we gather those baptized believers and teach them what it means to be a disciple. Acts 2.42, the very next verse, And they devoted themselves, these new believers, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. We'll come back to that one next week, Lord willing. So baptism does not make someone a Christian. But it does confirm that we, the church, see them as a Christian and have welcomed them into fellowship with us through Christ to begin the journey of learning what it means to be a disciple. Baptism in that way is kind of like a passport. If you think about it, if you have a passport, that passport does not make you a citizen. But it does confirm that you are a citizen. Just recently, our brother Uriel became a citizen. Praise the Lord. Now, Uriel can now get a passport. And when he gets that passport, that is not the day he becomes a citizen. The passport doesn't make him a citizen. The passport is the demonstration and confirmation that indeed he is 
a citizen. If it goes to another country, it's sort of a here's 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 the here's the proof. You know, here's here's the reality uh, symbolizing my citizenship. And so, baptism is the church's way given by Christ to confirm this one belongs with us. Now, if baptism is the front door to acknowledging church membership, the Lord's Supper is the family dinner that regularly confirms that membership in the body of Christ. Think about it. Like baptism, the Lord's Supper is not a private thing. right? You don't baptize yourself. That would just be weird. You also don't eat the Lord's Supper by yourself, off in a little corner you know, with a cracker and some juice. Both of these are God-given means of grace that Christ has given to the church to confirm and sustain our status as those who indeed belong to Christ. Think about it. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, it should remind you, I am forgiven. I am loved. I belong to Christ. I belong with these people. They're my brothers and sisters. We are family because of what Jesus did. We are together in this calling and we are learning what it means to live for Him. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 17 says, Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of that bread. So the local church is Christ's appointed means to bringing these things to bear in our lives as disciples. The local church has an authority that is unique to it that you as an individual simply do not have. It is a unique authority. And in that unique authority, the church can actually be compared to an embassy. We are an embassy of Christ's kingdom. Now, I'm throwing these words around. What is an embassy? If you go to New York, there's an area called Embassy Row, and you can go, and as you, you see the Embassy of, Itali- of Italy, you know, the Embassy of Germany, the Embassy of this country and that country. What are those embassies, and why am I using this language regarding the church? Well, an embassy is an officially sanctioned outpost of one nation inside the borders of another nation. So if you were to travel to Uganda and visit the embassy there, the minute you walk into that embassy, the minute you step through those doors, you are on U.S. soil. Did you know that? That embassy becomes a little piece of the United States there within the country of Uganda. That embassy brings the reality of the United States near to Uganda. The embassy represents the U.S., to Uganda. The ambassador who lives there is authorized to speak for the United States and to act on behalf of the United States there in Uganda. Well, the church is like that embassy. We are an officially sanctioned outpost of heaven's kingdom here on earth. Uh, as we gather, this is a little piece of heaven here. I don't mean the building, forget the building. I mean the gathered believers as we come together in Christ's name under His authority. And as we are gathered, we have the authority to speak for Christ our King as we open and faithfully proclaim His Word. His Word, not our Word. We have authority to confirm before the world who is a citizen of His kingdom and who is not. 
You see, that, that's the whole point of the keys to the kingdom that Jesus gave to the church through Peter in places like Matthew 16, verse 19, where he said to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That didn't mean Peter standing before golden gates. Just hope you know that, right? It means that we, the church, Peter representing the church and the leadership of the church at that time, we've been given the keys to the kingdom so that whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. It's a perfect tense, and it means this has already taken place in heaven when you do it on earth. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. doesn't mean Peter or the church have the power to actually make people citizens of heaven any more than the embassy has the power to make you a citizen of the U.S. You don't show up at the embassy and say, I want to be a citizen. Okay, embassy says yes. That's not how it works. But it does, the embassy does confirm citizenship. The church likewise confirms citizenship. It means we as a church are authorized by Christ to declare who is and who is not a citizen based on what God says in His Word. And if you think about that, we do that weekly through baptism and the Lord's Supper and occasionally and regrettably through church discipline. Because you understand, that's what church discipline is. It is us as the gathered church saying, we don't see evidence anywhere that this person is actually a citizen of the kingdom. And therefore, we can't embrace them as a citizen of the kingdom. Uh, Matthew eighteen seventeen, using similar words, Jesus said, if he, that is the person who is in sin, refuses to listen to those that have gone from the church to share with him, tell it to the church, meaning the whole body. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector, that is, a non-Christian. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. You're confirming heaven's pronouncement. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. By baptism and church membership, we acknowledge here is a believer. Here is a fellow member of Christ's kingdom. Called into fellowship with us, to grow with us into this new life as a disciple who is learning to follow Christ. That's where the teaching begins. Again, what does Jesus say? Make disciples how? By baptizing them and... Stay with me. By teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. So second thing here, the church is called to teach the baptized how to obey all that Christ commands. Martin Luther once said that the church must be a mouth house. (laughs) Not mouse house like Disney. I mean mouth house. By that he meant that we must speak God's Word and teach God's Word. So churches teach disciples to live as ambassadors of Christ by teaching the Word, by preaching the Word, by exhorting the Word, by fellowshipping around the Word, by singing the Word, praying the Word, reading the Word together, by living the Word. Churches teach. That's why in the organizational structure of the church, the elders who lead must be able to teach, 2 Timothy 2.2, and must work hard at preaching and teaching, 1 Timothy 5.17. 2 Timothy 4.2, Paul said to Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. 
Because it is the Word of Christ that creates faith and molds and shapes our lives into the image of Christ. And so the elders lead in teaching, and the elders also safeguard that teaching to make sure that it remains biblical. But you as members participate as well. You participate, first of all, by submitting to the Word as it's taught. If it is God's Word, then it it has an authority over you. You submit to that Word by living it out together and encouraging each other. You are part of this by exercising your own gifts of teaching. I'm so grateful. There are many teachers in this congregation who are not elders. But they're teachers called to open the Word and they're doing a wonderful job at it. And we together encourage and we exhort so that ultimately Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 is is happening all around us. Where it says, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Wow! That's what we want to see. And so the gospel, as it lives among us, creates a holy people set apart for Christ. An embassy filled with ambassadors who are being equipped to live for Christ in such a way that His glory is seen and more and more people are brought to faith. So the mission of our church is to make disciples... And we make disciples by the preaching of the Word, bringing new people in through baptism, and teaching them how to walk with Christ as disciples in the world. And that brings us to the third thing, and that is back to your mission. Your mission as a believer is to be a disciple who is living in faithful obedience to Christ. Verse 20 teaching them, these baptized believers, to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Teaching them to observe. So your goal is to observe, to keep, uh, to obey all that Christ has commanded you, with joy, by the way. This isn't get legalistic and become a great rule keeper. We're going to see that in Galatians. It's get real and live this wonderful life that Christ has given you. But understand, only you can do that in your life. The church can't come do that for you. And so again, we have this necessary distinction. We as a church labor to teach and encourage and make disciples who will love and obey Jesus. But then each of us must go out and be that kind of disciple in our day-to-day lives. So think with me what that means. Kyle, I'm going to use you as an illustration if that's okay. Um, Kyle, of course, is an elder here at Rockport, and so he's definitely a a part of that overall mission of the church of disciple-making. That's part of his calling. But Kyle is also a disciple of this church. So he's a husband learning to love Phoebe well. How's he doing? You don't have to answer just yet. Um, Wonderful. Good. I'm glad to hear that. He's also a father seeking to lead his children in a Christ-like way and to lead his home. He's he's a teacher in the Herkey School District. And some of you didn't know this, he's an award-winning track coach 
who must treat his students with love and respect as a disciple of Jesus. He's also a citizen of this nation and must work through what does that mean as a citizen and how do I, how do I live for Jesus and obey Jesus in, a, in, in, in the culture uh, that I am in and what does that require? He has to be a disciple as he drives these roads out here. What does it mean to drive as a disciple of Jesus? In all those spheres, Kyle must learn to represent Jesus. He is an ambassador. He is a part of this embassy. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors of Christ. Well, what is an ambassador? An ambassador is an authorized representative of a particular nation, or in those days, an authorized representative of the king. So brother, you are an authorized representative of King Jesus in all those spheres. And that's part of what baptism and church membership, by the way, confirm. We as a church say, we see in Kyle the evidence that indeed he is an ambassador. We have given the mark. You know, we have, we have let him have the passport. It's one reason church membership matters. But, but, but we, are, we are called to this ambassadorial ministry. Now, just sit on that one for a minute. My calling and your calling, all of our callings, is to represent Jesus well. And then think about how that calling of the individual believer is different from the calling of the church. So if you go to a restaurant later this week, the whole church is not going with you. You couldn't afford it. And it's not the job of the church as the church to represent Christ to that particular waitress. It's your job. She will encounter something of Christ in you because you represent Him. And because you're a member of this church, we have endorsed that representation. We've given our amen to it. So what will she think of Christ because of her interaction with you? How you respond to her when she messes up your bill. Or when she just forgets to bring you water. Preaching to myself here. The way you tip. You see, it's not the church's job to tip her for you. It is the church's job to teach you how a disciple should tip. And how we should treat her. There's some discussions we can have, right? But when you go out into the world, it is your job, your calling, to be Christ's disciple there. Our calling is to teach you I hope this is making sense. But I want you thinking about these two separate but related callings. The disciple-making embassy calling of the church where we confirm citizens and teach them to live as ambassadors and then the ambassador calling of each individual member to be a disciple, to live as an ambassador who represents Christ day by day. And of course you understand, you don't do that alone, right? You don't go this, we, don't, we don't end the service and we all go like little BBs off in our own direction, right? There's, there, there, there's, there's a connection here. Uh, there's a carryover. We continue in fellowship and encouragement with each other through the week. We do life together. But my point is this. In order for the church to be faithful in equipping you for your mission of being Christ's disciple, we as a church must maintain clarity about our mission of making disciples. There's a real danger of mission creep 
where the church can chase good things, forgetting the big thing. And so before we end, I just want to... I want to have you think in terms of what we do together as a church. That's the church's mission together that you're a part of and as an embassy and what you are called to do as an individual disciple in the world. Our mission together as a church gathered under the authority of Christ, as we've said, is to make disciples. So what's that mean? It means we preach the word here. We baptize those who believe and train them what it means to be a disciple. We grow them through the Word proclaimed and taught and sung and prayed and counseled and lived in fellowship. And, and, and we, we, we are faithful to organize ourselves as Scripture commands with elders and deacons and teachers and so forth. And, and we have to work out all those practical necessities of budgets and buildings never as a goal in themselves, but as part of the furniture required for us to be faithful in carrying out the mission Christ has given us. That's what we do together. Your mission grows out of that. You take what you gain here and put it to work in your daily life out there. You go home and you love your family as a, disi- as a disciple representing Jesus. You go to work and do your job representing Jesus. You face the world and love your neighbor and wrestle with these difficult issues of the day as an ambassador representing Christ so that they can see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And that facing the world as a disciple, last thought here, that facing the world as a disciple will bring different mission emphases to each one of us. Some of you will be called specifically to practical ministries. You you will be called to feed the hungry. You will be called to visit prisoners. We have some here. You will be called to care for orphans. And we as the church need to teach you and support you and love you and help you as you do that. But it's not our mission. It's your mission. We're supporting that mission. Others of you will obey Christ by seeking to change bad laws and bring an end to evil things like abortion and pornography and sex trafficking, and spousal abuse, and other heinous evils. Some of you will be very active politically, uh, engaged in the cultural debates up to your ears. Each of us in our callings. All must do so as disciples, as ambassadors who represent Christ. Because just, but, but just like when you face the waitress at the restaurant later this week, It is not the church's job to try and do those things for you. The church must not leave its mission to take up your mission. It is the church's job to train you in what discipleship means and what it will look like as you serve Jesus faithfully in the world and encourage you in that faithfulness and help you continue in that faithfulness as Christ has called you. And so the point of this is what we really need is for the church to be faithful in doing what Christ has commanded it to do. Preach the Word. Raise up disciples. Teach them what it means to be a disciple. And then each of us going out to live as disciples in a broken world, helping each other, encouraging each other to represent Christ well in all those places where we go. So that Matthew 5.16 will be fulfilled in our lives. And this is where I close. Matthew 5.16 In the same way, 
Christian, let your light shine before others. So there you are, lights in the world, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, Father, our help and our King, make us faithful, grant us grace to make and to be disciples for your glory. Amen.